uh, journey, journey back home. Uh, Jacob, of course, is our focus uh, for tonight. And we learn some things in his life. He is, as you know, the son of Isaac and Rebekah. And we know that, that his grandfather was Abraham, his brother was Esau, and they had conflict. It's been 608 years since the rainbow appeared after the flood on Noah's account. And the rainbow expressed the blessings of God for the future. And the rainbow said there will not be another flood, period, that you'll ever have to endure. The rainbow is that promise. Well, yes, what did Jacob do? Or what did his life represent so that God could take this message tonight and say, listen up, I have something to say to you. Every time we meet together, every time the Word is presented, thus saith the Lord, every time we hear the Word of God, it's God saying, I have something to say to you. And I pray that you'll not miss it. I pray that you'll listen intently. I pray that those of you watching online, that it will be a moment in which you say, everybody sit down, be quiet, and let's listen to what God has to say. Well, we know that Jacob had a storybook life and not in a positive way for many years. There are those that are examples in the spiritual hall of fame, some great men one who walked with God. Do you remember who it was? Enoch. That's right. One who pleased God. It was Noah. One that exhibited their faith and became a friend of God. You know that is as Abraham. And Jacob was none of those things. Jacob was an unusual individual. We must remember that with that 608 years now, think about it, transpiring, God is now desirous to show his mercy and his forgiveness. Everybody knows about judgment. Those who lived through that and told their children and children's children, figuratively, they're still drying out from the flood. The water came, of course, up, and, and they're still drying out 600 years later. We know that several things have happened. Abraham, the father of faith, is dead. And Isaac is dead. And Noah is dead. Well, where do we turn to find a man of God? Where do we go to find the next speaker, the great person that will stand out representing the hallmark of faith? Who will it be? Well, how about Jacob? Can I tell you something? From all appearances, from what you read prior to our text tonight, Jacob is not our man. But you know what God has? God has a real sense of humor. God says, you know what? You don't count much on him. And I understand you judge by your rules, but I'm going to judge by my rules. You watch and see what I will do with Jacob. And after all, in every person that you know, in their mistake and in their error and in their weary ways of walking off the path, even in the midst of that, God still has the ability to bring glory and honor to his name. Our text is this, strife creates fear. Genesis 32, verse number 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Our text shows that Jacob is in a life and death wrestling match. 
It's symbolic of his entire life. His name meant simply this, to take another's place by force or trickery. You know that he did just that in stealing the birthright of his brother Esau and lying to his dad. And when Jacob said his name, it revealed his character. Well, to take another's place by force or trickery. There's that old trickster. Look at Jacob. And that was not very good. Not very good at all. Jacob, let's listen to what his story is about. Number one, he was his mother's baby. In other words, he was mama's boy. He lied and deceived his father. He stole his brother's blessing and birthright. He became hunted, became hunted like a wild animal by his brother Esau. He became a servant to his uncle's household. He was tricked by his uncle. He married the wrong woman when he married Leah, and he loved her sister Rachel and eventually got her. Get this now. He fathered children with the maid of Leah and the maid of Rachel. He lived with the fear that his brother one day is going to find him, and he hates him. He runs away from his family and his father-in-law slash his uncle in the middle of the night. That's the kind of man that God is serving up to us tonight to talk about. Now, the point of our text, after being away from his homeland for 20 years, he's going back home. He's going back home not because he desires to go back home, but he's going back home because God has nudged him. This is what I want you to do. I'm going to make your nest so untenable. I'm going to make you so uncomfortable. I'm going to create circumstances that all you're going to see is go back home. And all you're going to see, well, meeting my brother may not be so bad, and you're going to finally make that decision, Jacob, to go. And the day he did, he's already sent his wives and his men and his animals and all the food they had across the little river there. And he stayed behind and a man showed up. It was an angel. 20 years. He understands. Esau, of course, has one desire. In Jacob's mind, year after year after year, my brother will get even. You remember, it was Esau who was the hunter. It was Esau who knew how to use a bow. It was Esau who knew how to bring blood. And yet, we know that Jacob had manifested some form of success. It says he had hundreds of servants. He had thousands of livestock. He had two wives. He had 11 children that they know about. And he is hours away, just hours away at the point of our text, from all the deception that has been brewing for 20 years. All that deception is about to come to the front line, and he is about to have to pay the fiddler. Jacob... It's your time to square off. Your day is coming. When Esau hears that you are on your way home, you won't have to wait to try to find him. He will find you. You see, there's great tension 
in the ear from those years of strife. And Jacob, the crafty, deceptive brother who stole the birthright, is wrestling this man, this angel. Jacob is wrestling his past. You fool, look what you have done. You idiot, look how many times you failed and you did it on purpose. You, of course, are suffering and wrestling with your present. You haven't been true blue. You're known as a trickster. You're known as an individual that cannot be trusted. You're wrestling for your future. What will my future look like? I just ran from my father-in-law who was dishonest and I had to leave there. I really don't have a homeland. And he's wrestling with all of that. And this is what he says in Genesis 32, 11. He says, save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. In other words, he said, Esau will kill my entire family. He will steal from me. He will take care of the animals, kill my wives, kill my children. He will wipe me out. Oh, God, save me. And this whole time, he's wrestling. This whole time, he's perspiring. And finally, it turned to sweat. And that's what he has to say, the strife that's been in his life for a long, long time. You know, sin will make you miserable. Did you know that? Trying to live two lives will make you miserable. Trying to be a person that you can say, I'm a man of God, but in reality, you know good and well that in your, in your life, in your private life, you're not reading, you're not praying. You know that you've got things in your life that you've decided to put up with, like your temper, and you just, well, I have to live with it. Like anger and unforgiveness, I just have to live with it. Let me suggest to you, there isn't a person more miserable than a professing Christian who allows these little things to reside in their life and still expect to have the peace of Almighty God. It's called purity, righteousness, and holiness. What does he do? In those times, we call out to God. Say that with me, call out to God. Let's say it again, call out to God. Genesis 32, 26. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, what? I will not let you go until what? Until you bless me. In other words, Jacob came to the conclusion that this is not an ordinary man that I'm wrestling with. He came to the conclusion this is not an ordinary situation. He came to the conclusion that this guy has placed me on the mat and pinned me down several times, but never gets to the place of total takedown. And Jacob continues to wrestle. That battle is taking place. It's taking place with an angel from the Lord. And it's symbolic of Jacob's entire life, just from one angst to another, from one unhappy situation to another, from one disappointment to another, from one failure to another, 
from one bad testimony to another, from one sin to another, and never can seem to gain enough ground to say, I'm free, hallelujah. He was wrestling. He was wrestling also for the generations since creation, because as soon as Adam and Eve appeared and they sinned, and we know that we started off in generations, they sinned right off the bat, just right up front. And God got fed up with it enough and thought, I'm going to eradicate all of that. And what did he do? He sent the flood. But after the flood, it didn't take very long for the same generation of people because carnality existed in the human body. And they ran and walked away from God. And, and Jacob is wrestling for those generations. He's wrestling from those from the creation to the flood and from those after the flood 600 years later until right now. All the generations, all have disappointed God. All of them have said one thing and done another. And the angel, the man that is wrestling with Jacob, it is a severe wrestling match, no easy match. It's severe, it's hard fought, it's physically challenges. It is a, a flat out, give it the best shot that you have. One hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours, until they wrestled all night long. You've had those nights. You've had those nights when you couldn't sleep and you wrestled and you turned and you tossed. You've had those moments, no doubt, that something has bothered you. Someone has offended you, some circumstance that you've had to face and some deed that maybe you did or some decision that you have to make and it's just turn and toss. And you wrestle with God. God, what is it that I need to do? You see, the reality is this wrestling match represented a place of prayer. God was doing a work in the life of Jacob. A great transformation was taking place. Why didn't the angel just destroy Jacob? He had the power. I'm going to just mark you off right now. I'm tired of playing with you, boy. You are done. You're over. You certainly have been a good testimony for Jehovah. Why was it so physical? Why is it? Because spiritual issues, friend, are physical. Your body can feel the tension of spiritual sin. Your, your, your mind can, can become weary in the process of trying to live two type of lives. You see, here's what it was. God wanted to show his patience and mercy to Jacob. I could wipe you out. But I'm letting you wrestle out what? God wanted Jacob to work out his emotions and to work out his feelings. The man never pinned him down. He just kept wrestling and wrestling and wrestling until they're totally out of strength. But boy, when you are filled with bitterness and anger, there is an energy that comes on you and an adrenaline that is there that you just dig deep until, until you get to the place that, wow, that's all you need to do. I was watching one of, the, uh, one, of the, one of the programs the other night and where they uh, fish and game and where they're wrestling with a big old alligator. Hello? I mean, a big old alligator. It wasn't swamp people, but it was, there was a fishing game program and they're, and they're wrestling and they had to go get an alligator out of a, out of a school drainage ditch. 
And so they throw it out there, and I, I don't mind. I about as close as I want to get to an alligator is my television. And so there's a couple of people there, a man and his wife, who that's what they do for a living. They just go take on alligators. And I watched that woman. I thought, there's something wrong with you, girl. <laughs> if you think you're going to outrun that alligator, but hey, not, not. And her husband or partner or whatever it was, he was. It didn't bother him at all. And they got him. And buddy, when they got him, got his, got his mouth clamped down. <laughs> He began to turn, spin, and I mean spin and spin and spin and spin, figuring I'm going to spin out of here. And that guy held on. Of course, you had fishing game commission people, and, and they're holding on, and, and they said, you know, uh, shoot him. And he said, no, let him spin, let him spin, let him tire himself out, let him get to the place. He don't want to spin anymore. And they just let him spin and spin and spin. And finally, I guess he got tired. He didn't have any more spin left. And the man walked up to the front of that gator, and the gator opened his mouth. And the man reached out with his hand, tempting God Almighty, and took the top part of that gator's mouth and pushed it down on the bottom and held it there. Thank God for duct tape. <laughs> Wrapped his mouth up, loaded him up, and that was it. Over. And Jacob was spinning, working out his emotion. You know, when God gets your attention, here's what often happens the devil will tell you you're not worth two cents. The devil will tell you you're not worth salvation. The devil will tell you you've said you're sorry a million times and God's not taken another one. The devil will tell you you've gone too far. The devil will tell you you will always be marred by an active or a deed. The devil will tell you, my friend, you're not worthy to sit at the table. And not only will he tell you that, he will give you ample opportunity to try to live a life of pleasure and lead you down paths to soothe you so you can have the fun. But there comes a time, there comes a time, God's perfect timing, that God says, today is a day of reckoning. Today is a day in which you're going to spend. Today is a day. I have watched people come to the altar, and I have watched people bring people to the altar. And when they got there, because someone coached them to come, they just buried their head in their arms. And I have prayed for them, and when I prayed for them, I have prayed, God, release them. You see, the most powerful place in the world of decision is at that altar. 
It's where God breaks the shackles. And I've witnessed people who, who were there because someone brought them there. But after the, you see, you can't stop the prayer of deliverance. And after a time of prayer and prayer and prayer, I have watched those people most of the time start shaking under the spirit of the living God. And then I've watched them begin to weep. And then I've watched them weep. And then I've watched them raise their hands. Then I've watched them weep some more. And then I've watched them begin to laugh because they, they became delivered by the grace of God. In other words, God said, this is the way that it is. And I, I want to tell you something, friend. America, America is ready for us to start praying amen and start weeping and then start rejoicing how many can say amen it's our time and so it is with Jacob he is he is enjoying the privilege of feeling once again the touch of God he thinks well I've been such a fool I've been such a failure oh I've got wives I've got children I've got thousands of livestock i've got everything that any man would want almost out of nothing and god once again showed his power and he took jacob and the man hit his hip how many hipsters do we have? I call the hipsters those who have replaced hips. May I see your hand? I am among that titanium number. <laughs> I have any knees around. There you go. A few knees here and there. But he popped that hip. And buddy, Jacob walked with a limp. He popped that hip. He was not as agile as he used to be. And when he did, it dislocated. You see, if God desired, he could immobilize all mankind. I mean, COVID, in my opinion, is not of God, but it about immobilized the world. And that's not even the judgment of God yet. But when that happened, it signified something happening in Jacob. And Jacob cried out to God after 20 years of struggle, being manifested in a full night of fighting. Jacob humbled himself and he said, the man said, it's morning, it's time to stop. And Jacob said, no, I have awakened far too many mornings on the wrong side of God. I'm not letting go until I know you're going to bless me. Till you bless me, I'm not turning loose. I've come too far to turn back now. Amen. I'm believing that. Here is a man with the birthright, the legal birthright 
He stole it, but it was still his. Bless me, take away my sin. Bless me, take away my curse. Bless me, take away my fear. Bless me, give me your favor. And often the Holy Spirit will wrestle with us and God is patient and hopefully we'll get to the place that we cry out, I give up. Send a blessing and a revival upon my life. And that's the prayer that we need to be praying for our country. And when we get to that place, finally, we're going to be transformed. Let me tell you the next transformation for you and me is when the rapture takes place. Amen? And when that trumpet sounds, transformation day is coming. Amen? It's coming. But until then, we can be transformed and renewed every day in our spirit. Every day. Genesis 32, 30. So Jacob called the place Penel saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Jacob came into the battle carrying with him guilt and deception and hopelessness and unmet potential and years of pain and fear. And this was the place where God revealed his patience with all of mankind. We're learning not just in Jacob's testimony and a transformation of Jacob took place. And Jacob the supplanter, he was known. A person of trickery and deceit became Israel, a prince of God. Israel, the prince of God, the new name, Jacob, was transformed from the bondage of rebellion into the prince of God carrying the blessing of Abraham, his grandfather, forward. Abraham's dead, Noah's dead, others are dead, but now the man is Jacob, the deceiver, the trickster. God said, I want to show you, though, about the power of my transformation that takes place with a man or a woman who willfully walked away. But it did not forfeit what my plan was for him in the beginning. And that's God speaking to you and to me. If we remain humble, God will say, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you think. If you just pay attention, I will bring forgiveness and cleanse you and set you on a path that will cause you to begin to do my will just like I plan for you to do from the beginning. From the beginning, transformed from the bondage of rebellion. And the moment of transformation stood as a testimony of what God desired to do with all of his people, you and me. And that is to transform us into the people he desires for us to be. And Jacob changed the name of this place where the battle took place 
Penel, meaning face of God. Why? He said it was the place where Jacob met with God and God gave him his grace. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Sweet Holy Spirit, come into this place. Mighty power of God, fall on me. Crown me with the oil of anointing. And so we have our story with Jacob. And when he have in a world today, when even some of the best churchgoers are doubting whether or not that the church still has a chance or America still has a chance. They're doubting and said, it seems like the enemy's crowding in like never before. And it seems like the airwaves and the media are painting such a dastardly picture and the, and the television is showing things I thought you would never see on a public display. But don't ever forget, there is one filled with redemption and his name is Jesus and he's still on his throne. And he's able to change the vilest, the most misbehaved, the most wretched, the most tormented, and bring them into perfect alignment to make a beautiful life. Somebody say amen. I love this story in India where the water bear, water bear in India, if you take a look, they wear, a, I call it a pole all the way across their shoulders. And on, on one end of the pole is a bucket and or something to carry water, and the other end is another. And the job of the water bearer was to go down to the stream from where his master's house was every single day, go down to the stream and get the fresh water, fresh flowing water, fill up one of the buckets, fill up another, and then walk back to the master's house. He did that for two years. The problem is the bucket over here on the right <coughs> The vase, whatever you call it, had just a little hairline crack. And by the time the water bearer got it up to the master's house, half of the water was gone. This one, of course, remained full. And for two years, that's the way it was. Finally, one day after two years, the water bearer is down at the stream getting water. And the vase, as the story goes, said to the water bearer, I apologize to you. I've embarrassed you. For two years, you've made the same journey. And my friend on the other end of the pole here has delivered a full load. And, and all I've ever been able to deliver is a half load because of this crack in my body. And the water bearer said, just watch. Filled it up said, watch all the flowers. So they walked up the hill again, and the bucket watched the most beautiful flowers in the world, and, and they got to the top. And the boss said to the water bearer, you made me feel better, but it still doesn't take away the pain of knowing I, didn't, I was not able to produce because of, of the crack the water bearer said, I knew 
I knew about your crack. I knew that it was there. So I decided to plant seeds on your side of the trail. And so I planted seeds of all kind of flowers, as beautiful as they are. And on the journey every day, because of that crack, you watered the flowers. And as a result of you watering the flowers for two years, I've been able to cut those flowers and make a beautiful bouquet and set the bouquet of flowers every day on my master's table for him to view. You may think that you were not able to offer your best, but your best became the centerpiece on the master's table. In this room and right now online, I can tell you this, our world today with COVID has a ton of broken people. A ton of people that's made mistakes and error. A ton of people, even Christians, who've said the wrong thing, done the wrong thing, behaved in the wrong way. And as a result of that, their vessel may have been marred a little bit. But through the patience of God, God said, I can take your weakness and I can make it into something absolutely beautiful. And he said to Jacob, Jacob, there was not one day that you were running away from your brother and over with your uncle. But what I did not know exactly what would happen in your future. I knew this wrestling match would take place. Now, you're going to lead, and you're going to be remembered in a positive way. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Can we do that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you tonight for the abundance of your mercy and your grace. I thank you because I know that there are people listening, and there are thousands that will listen, and they'll hear this message. I pray that we might be reminded a little bit that there may be some loved ones that we know that we'd like for them to hear this message. We might direct them to our website and say, hey, on that Wednesday night, listen to that message. See what you think. Even though you might be discouraged, it might give you hope and encouragement. You may have been wrestling with circumstances, but listen, listen to that message. It'll bring wisdom to your heart and your life. And we may use it for the glory and the honor of God. And you might be listening right now or online or whatever the case. I want to be sure that we have our own moment to seek God's face to forgive. So I'm going to ask everyone and those of you at home, if you can, to let's pray this prayer. Repeat it after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord God, Lord God, come into my heart, come into my, heart. Come into my, spirit. Into my spirit. I have misbehaved. I have misbehaved. I've made mistakes. Made mistakes. 
and I knew what I was doing. But tonight, I humble myself. I acquiesce to you. I surrender all, everything that I have and all that I am, I give to you right now. So, Father, you know that I'm bruised, and you know that I'm challenged, and you know the devil will not give up, but I'm believing this, that by faith, you will give me the words to say, and you will give me the boldness in my heart to be the kind of person that brings pleasure to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together and let's once again clap the Lord. Let me say, if you have a testimony, I received several. Doesn't have to be big, big testimonies. But if a testimony of God's done something to you and you haven't made it public, then the question is, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, why? That testimony was God's gift to you. But he didn't want you to hide it under a bushel. He gave it to you that it might encourage someone else, that it might make a difference in their life. And that's why God gifted it to you. So would you be so kind to take time and either go on the website or send to the church here and share that testimony? And my friend, we'll see what God can do through that. Don't forget, Saturday, 9 o'clock, plan to be here, plan to stay as long as you can, and let's just believe God together. Amen. God bless you as you continue to worship right now. church. You can go in peace tonight and we will see you on Sunday morning. God bless.